Hey there, entrepreneur. How are you today? Happy Monday. Now, if you are like many of my clients, you are in full swing, if not already done with planning for 2022. If you're finding yourself needing a little bit extra support, someone to bounce your ideas off, someone who really just has a strategic ear and can support you as you leapfrog into this brand new year, keep me in mind. And you can learn more about the services that I offer with coaching. And I do consulting and speaking and all sorts of things at michelleamercier.com. But for right now, I am jumping in with the incredible Amber Kelleher Andrews. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? (sighs) I completely get it. Because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs, and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. entrepreneurs and welcome to today's episode. You are in for a treat because I am joined by the beautiful and incredible um, Amber Kelleher Andrews, which I have to say, I was doing my research on her and I came across this beautiful quote, which I think is a great descriptor, which says she is one part executive recruiter, one part relationship coach, and one part, this is my favorite part, relentless global advocate for love. And in a, an official capacity, she is a relationship expert and the CEO of the number one global matchmaking firm, Kelleher International, and an amazing philanthropist that works to bring the world's most elite together to make an impact. So Amber, thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, thank you so much. What a nice intro. Yeah, no, I just, I loved the combo. I can't even remember what the article was that I pulled that from, but I read it and I was like, well, that is a fantastic combination of things to be strung together. (laughs) Yeah. It makes me want to have that job too. I'm like, that sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. Uh, But well, let's jump in because I really want to talk about your journey you know, up until today, I know like we spoke before this, that you originally went to school for anthropology and then theater and then joined the family business. So give our listeners kind of that, that insight into the journey as to how you landed where you are today. Okay. Well, um, I, you know, growing up, I really didn't have a plan. I, I knew I loved the entertainment business. I had a stepfather that was a director. So I grew up on sets that go all the way back to the original streets of San Francisco with Michael Douglas and Carl <laughs> yeah. Malden for anybody that might remember those names. Um, and so as a child, that was the world I knew. It was a creative world. It was coming together. It was a community and it was making friends and, and creating a project together. So I thought that that's what I wanted to do until I got to college and something clicked again in college. I was in an anthropology class because it was a, you know, one of those courses that you had to take uh, in order to get the degree. I did not know what I was going to major in. Um, and I just, I really understood anthropology. It just, it made sense to me. The teacher uh, had to take me uh, off of the curve because there wasn't anything that I, that I, didn't understand. I 
got A's on every test. And, and so he said, I want you to write a book over the summer. And it, I thought that, wow, I have found my, my career. And I was headed to Berkeley to work with Johannesburg and, 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 uh, and Leakey. They were um, great um, you know, professors at the time. They were the ones that actually were part of finding the first bipedal in the African Rift Valley, which was wow. exciting. Wow. You know, Lucy, because the song was playing Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds when they came back. And so they yeah. named her Lucy. Um, so anyway, that was my path. But my stepfather, who's the director, gave me a call when I was in college. And he said, before you go off to Berkeley, before you start this career, why don't you come and work with me on a movie? You can be my assistant. You grew up in the film business. And maybe this is something you could do for the summer between transferring. So that was kind of my sliding door, you know, I went through that door and I never returned and I, and I ended up in LA, I worked from movie to movie, got back in front of the camera, got on the camera crew, became a producer, pulled focus, worked for great people like Tony Scott, who did Top Gun, um, Roland Joffe from The Killing Fields, Francis Ford Coppola, and I was in heaven and, um, and I, I understood it, so I didn't have to have that degree. So college was now, I remember sitting down at a table with Francis Ford Coppola, because I became friends with his son, Roman. And we were sitting down at the table, and I remember he was eating raw meat. I didn't know about tartare at the time, and he had a bottle of Evian and glasses and messy hair, and we were in his, his uh, beautiful home up in Napa Valley. And, and I said, um, may I ask you a question? And I said, if you were if you were going to your next movie, Mr. Coppola, um, would you take somebody that has just come from a set and is working with your kind of group that's experienced, or would you take somebody that just graduated from USC, for example, in film school? And he said, I would definitely take the person that just came from the other crew set. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Like will it's will versus skill, right? And sometimes one yeah. calls for the other. Yes, agreed. Exactly. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going to go to film school. I guess I'm not going to go to anthropology, but I'm going to go to my next movie set. So I was doing that. And uh, while I was in LA building my, my entertainment career, my mother had this great idea to start a matchmaking business because she was working for a dating service at the time. The only one around, it was called Great Expectations. She was the photographer. And her job was to take great pictures of people and put their photos in the library so that they could flip through the books and choose who they wanted to meet. Do you yeah. remember Great Expectations? I do remember the name. Yes. Yeah. But yep. They would some, send mailers out and then you'd <laughs> fill it out and you'd be like, oh, okay. And then you'd go down to the library and you'd open it up and you'd say, oh, she's cute. Number two, three, five. And you'd go to the front desk and say, I'm four, six, seven. I want to meet two, three, five. And then they'd call two, three, five. She'd come down, look at the man's picture and go, I don't want to meet this guy. <laughs> Thank you. And then they'd call him and say, she doesn't want to meet you. Then he'd come down. It was just like this. That was the way that was the only option other than um, bars and, and gyms. And my mom thought, well, this is kind of interesting. Where, where do the people go that don't want to go in a photo book? Where do the heads of organizations, corporations, big business, where, where, and they're probably pickier and they're probably have a lot of net worth to cover, to, to protect. And, and God knows they're going to be very picky. So she thought, I wonder if there's a way to work for those people instead of all these, you know, the, the masses saying yes and no to each other's photos. She thought it was just really superficial and, and, and not very interesting. So she took a chance. She had a, a $7,000 inheritance and that was a lot of money for us. I remember her saying, you know, we can invest with this money. We can get it, maybe put a down payment on something or go on a trip, which we'll never be able to afford to do, or we could start a business and nobody had a matchmaking business at the time. 
So I, you know, she was my best friend. And even though she was in San Francisco and I was in LA in the movie business, I said, absolutely, you should go for it and let's see what happens. And that was the beginning of it. And uh, 10 years later, she said, this is too big. I need you. And um, you have to make a decision. And I loved the entertainment business, but I loved people. And, and so transitioning over to work with my mom was kind of a dream come true because I was going back to the anthropology and people and interests. And then I'm on TV for stuff like this and CNN and 2020. So it's a combination of everything. And I get to work with my mom and I get to be in the love business. So that's the, that's how it happened. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And I think I love the fact that you said it's the culmination of all the skills, right? Because I think number one, if anybody could be on a movie set or involved in a production of any sort and see all of the different moving pieces, I think that's boot camp for running any business um, in a lot of ways. But it seems like the throughput was always the people for you. Even when you, you seem like we, even when you were in entertainment and, and on sets, it was still people, correct? It was always people. Yep. And I, and I realized that as an actor, it, the focus was on me. Everybody was looking at me and interviewing me. And what was really fascinating, and I think the biggest appeal for me was that I flipped that. And now I was like, yeah. tell me about you. I want to yeah. know about your life, about your relationships, and about who you want to see yourself with. And I loved, I loved that, you know, that 180 for me to be able to be the one to ask the questions and then to be the one to help them. That, that was even more exciting than, but you still have the community. See, Kelleher yes. is a community. And so, yeah. um, and so I, I feel like we're, we're still creating something. We're building something together. So it's all very similar. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I like the fact that you said, you know, you flip the script because it's so interesting and I'm very similar where I love, I mean, obviously I'm doing this for a part of my career, but I love, you know, just learning about, and in my head, I'm always kind of treating it as a little bit of a mini experiment to see where the trends are for different people to see, you know, what, how their lives are being lived to see things from a different lens, you know? So I imagine that you get to do quite a bit of that in your, in your line of work as well. Right. We get to live vicariously through our clients and they're the most fascinating people in the world. So we have a great job. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in working with your mom, like you said, she's your best friend. So how did that dynamic work? Because I've heard from folks, like there's a really amazing side to working with your family, especially when, cause I know my mom's my best friend as well. So, and in that, in that case, but then, you know, how does it lend itself for you in building the individual life that you you know, envision for yourself, your family, things like that. I have to give all that credit to my mom because I think that, first of all, we didn't plan this. So she didn't right. have a business plan where she said, um, this is what, you know, I see you running this company and hiring yeah. me to do so. It, I mean, honestly, the, that, that quick transition that I mentioned, it's only because I went up to San Francisco to go to the American Conservatory Theater because I wanted to get a degree, even though, you know, Coppola had said it's not necessary, but at some point I just really wanted to, to, to finish and, and, and to get a degree. So I went to the American Conservatory Theater and while I was there, I answered the phones for my mom and I had no intention of working for her at that time. I just really wanted to help her and I needed a job as, as yeah. all college kids do. And so I was answering the phones for her and I just thought, wow, these people are really interesting and they're not so superficial. They truly are working on themselves. We used to yeah. say if they need therapy, they've had it, you know, if <laughs> they're emotionally ready and they understand the difference between a long-term relationship and a fling. And, and I just, I thought that that was really unique 
And I realized that she had touched on a group of people that might want love more than anyone, but also aren't going to settle. So it was kind of an interesting thing where you couldn't just fill their social calendar. You had to actually meet them where they are and find that person that made them share their life with, not not necessarily make them complete. You know, because they used to say half and half is complete. And we are really working with people that are whole. Yeah. But they want to share that, that, you know, they want to make it powerful. So anyway, when I finished school and I went back to Los Angeles, my mom said, again, this is not planned. She said, hey, why don't we run an ad in the Los Angeles Times and you can answer the phones in LA. And she said, in Amber, I'll fly down and I'll meet them and I'll match them. But at least we can have two locations because it made, it made sense. It's an hour flight. So I said, absolutely. So I, I grabbed my big green phone, I put it on top of the fire mantle and I said to my husband, um, when this phone rings, we're in business yeah. and we ran an ad and the phone rang. And of course I didn't have a plan again. So I'm like, I'm not sure how much we're charging. <laughs> I don't have a match for these people, but I was able to sell the idea based on my mom's journey and who my mom is. So I had a tremendous amount of respect for my mom because it was all about her for the first few years. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be the CEO and I'm going to do this. And, and had I gone in with that attitude, I might have had maybe conflicts working with my mom because maybe yeah. there would have been like, I know this more than you or I'm younger or I've got this. But instead it was like, my mom's amazing. She started this business. She's doing an amazing job. She's willing to come down. She will meet you. I will help her. It was always my mom, my mom, my mom. And the reason why I still give her all the credit in our relationship is because she's taught me about respect, ethics, morals. She's so kind. She's super generous. She's very, very loving. Um, And she's allowed me to make decisions as I've gotten wiser and older She's given me the capacity in this space to do the vision that I see with this company. And that takes a lot of, um, I I don't know what, what actually the word would be, but for her to be able to do that and to trust me, but also be there to catch me if I make a mistake, is pretty remarkable. It is. I mean, yeah, that's, that's amazing. It almost sounds like, you know, she's put, you see, oftentimes the ego is leading right with things like that. When it's a personal venture that somebody started out of passion, but it sounds like she was able to kind of take that aside and, you know, have a really nice balance of ensuring her daughter's success and happiness while maintaining the business drive. And I I can imagine as a mom that she was probably more focused on making sure that you were happy, growing, fulfilled than she probably was with the business side. I mean, is that something that's safe to say? I think, well, it it might be, but again, I think we just really love people and we just were working together and it was kind of, it was a really fun, you know, it was a really fun job and it, and it really, it grew because soon my LA office was no longer an extension of San Francisco. It became Amber's running LA, Jill's running San Francisco And then I started getting on the TV uh, again, you know, doing extra entertainment tonight, 2020 and things like that, which are of course a national show. So now we've got calls in Dallas and we've got calls in Boston and calls in San Francisco, in New York, not planned, but it was happening. So the first where I transitioned into CEO is I went back to San Francisco. We filmed 2020 together. And when the calls started coming in, I saw the women that were working for my mom in the San Francisco office, put the lead in a notebook and put it under the desk. And I said, why did you just do that? And I said, well, they're in New York and we don't work in New York. And I thought, okay, 
that's probably going to change soon. <laughs> yeah. Like we can make that happen. <laughs> and there was a whole book of them and they were just like, well, we're not going to give this to Jill because Jill can't interview them. Right. Cause everything's in person. And I thought, well, why don't we just hire somebody in New York and interview them? And I had a cousin whose name was Christy Kelleher. And um, so I called Christy up and I said, come to LA. I'm going to show you how this is all working. Um, we're getting a lot of in, you know, national press and I think we should have an office in New York. And she's like, absolutely. So she came in and, you know, so it, again, with, Beautiful. and I think this is why I was interested in doing your, your podcast. So many people go to business school to get that business degree, to write the business plan, to yeah. have the budget. And, and, and I think it's amazing, but we're doing that now 33 years later. And and it's going to allow us to do the next big push. And we're already in the beginning stages and we're seeing it. And it's, it's very magical. And I think we've never been in a better place. I know for a fact, Kelleher International has never been in a better place than we are literally right now. Awesome. The best we've ever been with, with, with a skyrocket future. But had we started with that in the beginning, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. Passion mm -hmm. led us and relationships kept us and the love for what we do. And that's why we're successful. I, I, I truly believe that. Yeah. But I think that's, it's beautiful. I'm over here like beaming because you're like saying all of my favorite things about, you know, keeping the personal in business and actually listening to the people. And, you know, I have a lot of the, a lot of the times clients will come to me and they'll say, well, what do I need to do? What's the plan? What's the step-by-step -step thing? And I said, well, number one, where's your community? Like, have you talked to people? Have you asked people what they want? Like, let's not over-engineer every little thing until, you know, we get the simple things done around, you know, just building a relationship with somebody and, and genuinely, you know, pardon my French, giving a shit, like about mm -hmm. the people on the other end of the transaction. And I imagine the, the clientele that you're dealing with needed that in, you know, a massive manner, because like you said, they're in a different, they're in a kind of a different category where they don't want their face plastered all over a match.com. Right. And they're, I love, 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 love the fact that you said that they have to come to the table whole and they're not looking for somebody to complete them. They're looking for my husband. And I talk about this all the time that we walk beside each other through it. Yes. It's not, we complement each other, one another's skill sets or whatever it may be, or personalities, but it's not about filling a void, um, right. which I think definitely distinguishes you as well as to your point, not having that over-engineered business plan and just letting, letting intuition and, and the feelings of it move you through, which is beautiful. Well, also, yeah, because then you have ebbs and flows and you figure right. out, you know, I mean, if, imagine this, if we had a business plan as opposed to a vision, mm -hmm. which I know that you have to have a vision in order to get a business plan or right. vice versa. I don't know. Right. Maybe one comes before the other, it could be switched, but nobody saw COVID coming. And so if you have um, a business in which you're structured and you have investors and you have a projection um, and then something happens, what do you do? Right. Um, with us, I had a vision. I had a, a, I had made a decision pre COVID of what I wanted to do next. And when COVID hit, it actually gave me the opportunity to do it a lot faster because as you can imagine, our community was on hold. Right. And so rather than doing the daily job of what we do, we were able to go <clears throat> back and re redo software, redo questions, redo training, um, set up uh, virtual pods, 
because uh, we weren't going into an office anymore. And also we were able to get out of our lease, which was fantastic because we transferred the budget of a, um, of a physical office, which was this huge 10,000 square foot office up in Northern California, where we had about 25 people working. We transitioned that to some property in beautiful Montecito, California, just outside of Santa Barbara. Um, and it, we were able to purchase a compound, which is by the beach. And now what we've offered is it's a, it's a club model. And so for our, for our employees, <clears throat> which we've hired like 20 new ones in the last couple of months, Great. because we're, we're, we're really doing well, we have this place now, which is their office. So anytime the groups, maybe this, the San Francisco pod wants to come down or the New York pod wants to come out or the Dallas team wants to fly in, we have a place now where everybody can come together and they can work together because you know we're all virtual for the most part. So now we've got a place where they can call their own office. They can hang out at the five-star hotel next door at the Miramar. Nice. They can go to the beach, they can go to the pool and they can really come together as, as a team and talk about the client's needs but also what's fun is that when clients join, they're able to come and kind of kickstart their membership, meeting the owner at the Miramar Resort. Yeah. And so we just had a, a woman fly in who's our brand new chairman client. She brought her son and we met her at this five-star resort. She had her own cottage and um, we were able to spend three days with her, getting to know her. Yeah. And she just thought, this is extraordinary. Like who takes the time to do this? Okay. But for us... It's, it's an amazing opportunity to hang out with, with somebody for a few days, as opposed to, you know, what goes on on the internet where you're looking at someone's photo and you don't even know if they're the person that you're talking to um, on the phone, if you get a chance to even get on the phone with them, right? Before you meet yes. a stranger. Yeah. So it's a different, different model, but COVID has really helped us um, as, as difficult as it's been for everybody and all the health related issues. And our top matchmaker just got COVID and she was very, very ill, but of course she's isolated in her home. She made it through it. And she's right. fine now. So, um, you know, it's been, it's been an interesting time, but we're doing, um, we're able to, to reinvent ourselves and take advantage of that. Right. I think the immersive experience that you just described has, has got to be, an, it's just got to be feel like a blessing for you and for your employees, but also like you said, the client, I mean, for her to be able to come down with her son and, and just sit there and say, no, this is me and my real, my real life, <laughs> you know, not yep. my very well staged profile picture where I do not look like this at five o'clock in the morning or after, you know, hitting my work deadlines all night, <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, this exactly. is real life because, you know, I never, I mean, I'm, I haven't tried dating as I've been married for so long, but I couldn't even imagine without somebody like you navigating all of that nowadays. Cause I also have clients who just tell horror stories about, you know, some of the, some of the online things and they, it takes them so much longer and they're so jaded, um, yeah. that they don't even get a chance to, to find that partnership because they've dealt with all the other stuff, but you guys cut right through it. And that immersive experience sounds, well, number one, it's brilliant. So bravo on the pivot and of moving towards that. And it just sounds like, it sounds like a pleasure for everyone involved, which is how it yeah. should be. I had a gentleman say, Amber, I have a checklist that I go through in my life. You know, you've got your health and you've got your errands and you've got your business. And he said, I always had love my love life. And I never had a check mark next to it until I joined Kelleher. And he said, yeah. I don't even know if I'm going to meet someone through you guys. And you guys are realistic. You don't promise that I'm going to meet, right. but I still have a check mark next to it. I'm actually doing something about it. Yes. And I thought from a man's way of thinking that made 
a lot of sense. The visual of that check mark, yes. knowing for a guy, like, yeah, somebody else is handling this so that I can go focus on other stuff. Yes. And that, that, that was, yeah, that made a lot of sense. That's, that's the brilliance in, in, in being able to say, we got this and it's a team of people and you go do what you do best. And we're going to do what we do best. And we're going right. to come together and introduce you to somebody. Right. And you're going to stay in your zones of genius and everybody it's a win-win. And I think oftentimes people I, tell me if you've heard this before, if somebody says, cause I've heard it from a services perspective from other clients where they say, well, why would you outsource something like that? And my question back would be like, why wouldn't you? Like to your point, you outsource it, but you still bring yourself to the table. You're still a stakeholder, but again, you're letting the people who are really good at it, which obviously you are, you know, handle the the tasks of it, right? Yeah, you know, when we were doing 2020, which was so long ago now, my goodness, I don't even know, probably 17 years ago or something, but Deborah Roberts was the um, was the anchor on it. And she had one of our clients sitting in a chair being interviewed, kind of like the Barbara Walters interview. Yeah. We, of course, had no idea what she was going to ask. And he was game for it. He was like, yeah, I think this is you know, great. I'll, I'll do 2020. And we're like, are yeah. you sure? And he was like, absolutely. <laughs> so like, okay. And I remember standing there watching the set because again, I'm on the set and it's kind of interesting. So I'm standing yeah. there and she says to him, she says, don't you think it's desperate that you've hired Kelleher International? Don't you think it's desperate that you're outsourcing this? And I just, my stomach just dropped. Oh my, I thought, oh my God, what is this poor man going to even say? And he goes, desperate is finding my wife in a grocery store. <laughs> desperate is going to a bar and thinking I'm going to find a woman that I want to have a child with. Like, yeah. I don't want to hang. And, and he goes, that's desperate. And you should have seen her face. She was like, holy crap. He's absolutely right. Why do I have the thinking backwards? And I just stood there and I just smiled and I thought, wow, I didn't see that coming, but he knew why he joined. He yeah. knew that it felt desperate to go out and search amongst a, you know, a, a local bar for somebody or to think that she's going to be in the produce department uh, by chance and have nothing in common other than you're both at the same grocery store yeah. and like, and you're attracted to each other. And so what happens online and when people meet, as they say, organically, um, they're only going for one thing, which is chemistry. And it makes sense. You want to be attracted to someone. And when right. there's chemistry, then you move forward. Oh, I think he's so handsome. I'm really attracted to him. I'm going to see him again. And as you go along and weigh into the relationship, you realize, well, he doesn't want to have kids or he already has kids. And I'm not really cool with raising my children Christian because I'm Jewish or he wants private schools and I'm really into the public, you know, schools. I, I don't want to do charters. Right. And so you have, and then finances, well, he's not really working and I'm working this hard. Chemistry is not the reason to connect. You have to really have all your ducks in order. And so as a matchmaker, our job is to back engineer introductions. We look at lifestyle. We look at religion. We look at, of course, at politics nowadays. We look to see if you're going to raise your children in a similar manner, or if you even both want to have kids all of the important things. Now, when people tell you that it's not, you know, why, why would you hire someone? What I tell them is the moment you look in the eyes of someone that's sitting across from you at a table, do you really think about how you both got there? No, you don't. The moment you look in someone's eyes and you're attracted to them, <clears throat> nothing else matters in the, in the world except right. for in that moment. Now imagine if that person has already been screened and that person wants a relationship and is just as interested in meeting you as you are them and you already have all the things lined up. Now, if there's chemistry, you have a match. 
If there's not right. chemistry, you've had a great evening with someone that you have a tremendous amount in common with, exactly. but you don't have a disaster like online. You have a great evening, but if there's chemistry, you might end up with this person. And that's what actual matchmaking is. is that's right. how it's done. No, and I think that's a beautiful, thank you, number one, for explaining it, because I think, you know, people have, they have an idea of it, but I think part of what you've described as well, like these meetings in produce departments or random, you know, I see you across a bar kind of things is, is very meat cute. I feel like that's the only thing that keeps coming to mind is like Hollywood's version of, you know, I trip and fall into the man of my dreams as arms on the sidewalk kind of, kind of thing, but you know, maybe it's the fact that I've been married for over a decade that I'm like, no, it's, it's so much more. And the questionnaire and kind of that screening process that you just described, you know, to me feels a little bit more, um, in line with marriage than, you know, can we party together at a bar, which, you know, is valid, but that's not going to get you through, you know, school choices or kids or really those tough times where the deeper, human things are needed to get through those times. Um, yeah. So- we like to say we work with people that have graduated. Yes, <laughs> They've graduated exactly. from the dating apps or they just can't do it. Like what you first said, they're too high profile. They're not going to put their face out there. They're, they're not going to get, you know, scammed or chased or, um, you know, gold diggers and all the things that come with, right. with people that have names that are notable that you can Google. Right. Exactly. And I mean, and they want to know that the person who's sitting across from them, I'd imagine is there for them, not there for, you know, the resume the accomplishments, like you just said, um, which is a tr- very tricky thing to do, I would imagine, which you guys are very yeah. good at screening through. So, I mean, throughout your years in doing this business and all of your journeys, I mean, what do you think, I'm just going to ask the resilience question, you know, what do you think in those times that were lows? Cause I know you were, you know, around for nine 11 with all of those and the market ships with COVID and stuff like that. I mean, beyond kind of intuition and, and feeling your way through and following passion, you know, what do you think has kept you resilient and, and moving through everything? I think attitude and um, a positive outlook is essential in, in, in a relationship if you're married and in a relationship with your business. Right. You have to know that um, this too shall pass. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were, we were around in, 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 um, in fact, we had just opened up our New York office when the World Trade Center came down. And it was a scary time, but what I realized then, which I know now, because it's happened three times with three different um, crazy world events with the recession and then COVID, yeah. is that um, people want love more than any time in their life when there is a crisis. So yes. when 9-11 happened, I had people begging to meet me that day. And I'm sitting there in front of the television watching the world fall apart. And I'm getting phone calls saying, I need to meet you today. So I actually held meetings at the Four Seasons Hotel in Doheny and Beverly Hills on 9-11. Wow. And they said that when Bush had his microphone out, President Bush and said, go home to your families. Half of America realized they didn't have a family because they were married to their work. And it really scared them because they were alone. And um, so we, we became the, the answer. Um, during the recession, most of our clients had such a high net worth that um, it didn't affect them as much, but they wanted to have love in their lives because they realized, well, they were working so hard. Luckily, the recession wasn't going to absolutely you know, demolish all of the work that they've done, but they had a little bit of time to kind of rethink their, their, um, you know, their priorities. And they thought, yeah, maybe, maybe, love is more important when I, when I 
pass away, am I going to say I should have worked harder? Exactly. Or am I going to want to have maybe loved stronger or longer or with, with, you know, with a family? So these are times of reflection. COVID, the same time, people exactly. are alone in their home. And they're right. like, I don't want to be alone. So love is a good business to be in during crisis. Yeah. It's also wonderful to be there for people when they need it the most. And so I think it was very rewarding to have a business where we could actually provide um, some hope. And so I always stay positive, even in the worst of times. And anytime something happens with a client, I always let them know that they need to be positive. And I think that right. that's, the, that's the medicine of, of the cure. And businesses can't falter if you're ethical, you're fair, and you're happy. Yeah. I mean, Oh my goodness. What a combination that you just listed off. Right. I mean, it's just, but it's so true what you're saying. And the more, the more business people I speak to, the more professionals, more leaders I speak to over the last couple months, it's, is very much more so like they need that personal connection. They, you know, the priorities have definitely been tipped on the heads if they hadn't already been, um, you know, and companies are looking to, for ways to maintain that personal connection and put the families and put things like love at the top of the priority list, because you exactly right on your deathbed, you know, my, my kick-ass marketing plan is not going to be on top of mine or my strategic plan, you know, um, not that I don't love a good plan, but that's not it. So thank you very much for kind of highlighting those points. Cause I think I'm a big believer of you can have the best business strategy, but if you haven't calculated the people part of it, um, Right, right, right. And then it's just really listening to your clients, right? It's, right. it's figuring out, well, what, so if you have your vision and you, ha and, and things are working, um, I don't think you should ever stop um, being the first matchmaking right. firm. I always took it upon myself to constantly reinvent this industry because right. it is a niche industry, right? We're not competing with match.com. I mean, in a way, the single people we share a, a yeah. community, but, but I don't even know if we share the same people. Um, so for me, it's like, okay, where is matchmaking headed next? And so I think from a, a resilience standpoint, it's not only keeping a positive attitude, but it's keeping the ball rolling. It's deciding yes. what's next. It's, it's reinventing yourself even when you don't have to. Yeah. And it's listening to the feedback of your employees, listening to the feedback of your clients and creating solutions to areas of, you know, of challenges and of problems. And it's never going to be perfect, but you learn so much from your mistakes that it doesn't yeah. even matter. You know, you just have to keep going. You can't just, nothing can stay put anymore ever. Yeah. It no. just has to keep moving. And there's too much in the world. There's too much competition. There's too many ideas that are better and things coming in. So it's like <clears throat> constantly creating um, a, a brand for yourself, a niche, um, a, a product or a solution, and then, and then going deeper and deeper and expanding at the same time. Right. You know, you're going inside and figuring out what, what can we do inside and then expanding that to, to the outside world. And right. that's for me, the, the, the joy now of being a CEO with more of a marketing plan, because I brought in a new team post-COVID that is going to help me um, implement this next new phase. And, um, and that's what's pretty, pretty exciting. Uh, at right. This point. Now, thank you again. Great point. I mean, I, when COVID first hit, one of, the, one of my go-to kind of quotes or inspirations, or whatever you have is it's one by Glennon Doyle, where she, I can't, I'm going to paraphrase it poorly, but I'm going to get it out is that, you know, you don't have to be super fast with it. You don't have to, you know, achieve in 
you know, climb mountains, but you do need to keep moving fast, like slowly, but surely, but it's always about kind of rebounding and moving forward. And, you know, resilience to me has always been kind of the ability to embrace the full spectrum spectrum of emotions that comes with the situation. And, you know, also sometimes the biggest, biggest act of bravery can be just to get up in the morning and keep pursuing whatever you're pursuing. So thank you for putting that out there. Um, well, as we wrap up, cause this is a beautiful conversation. Is there, are there any kind of last little tidbits you want to leave for our audience? I always like to ask that just in case to make sure you got all the, all of the wisdom you'd like to share out. Well, I think that I can only speak as a woman, um, because I, I, I am a woman and I, 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 I've been told that women have more intuition than men. I don't, right. I don't know for sure if that's, if that's accurate, but I've noticed over all these years, and we're going on 33 or 34 years now, um, that my intuition is, is usually right, and so is my mom's. And so when we take on a client or a new hire, and our head is telling us this person is great, but our intuition is telling us otherwise, it's interesting to find patterns in, in business decisions. And you realize even I can write someone's name down on a piece of paper and know that this person is probably going to be difficult <laughs> just by writing their name down. I, I know exactly like, what you're how saying. You, how, wait, wait, it's just a name. I said, yeah, this person's going to be a problem. And sure enough, that person has an issue that is, you know, getting in their way. Now we've implemented coaching and we've, we've, again, you, you find what, what's the solution to this. Not everybody can go on a date. Well, they might've right. been amazing in their business, but they're terrible on a date. So how can we help them? Um, and so, but intuition, if you're starting a business, if you're in a business um, already, using your intuition, I think is so important because sometimes we don't have the feedback that we need because business partners and especially investors, they're always going to be in their head. They're always looking at the bottom line. Yes. And so your intuition, do you love what you do? Is it why you get out of bed every single day? Are you contributing to the world? Is this making the planet better or making lives better? And are you listening to your intuition? Because from your health, your wellness, and the, and, and the longevity of your business, if you override your intuition, you're not going to be well and your business isn't going to survive. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. I think, yeah, I mean, and sometimes it's about slowing down, slowing down long enough to hear your intuition folks as well. Cause when we're going through chaos and adversity, or just even things are swirling around, you know, there's the quote, you know, when you're going through hell, keep going. And I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of when you're going through hell, stop, think, <laughs> and then keep going folks, <laughs> right. About because intuition will always tell you. And I have to say, I'm a hundred percent in alignment with that. Cause every time that there's something where I'm like, why am I, why do I have this client? Or why is this? I can look back and point to that moment where I shut my intuition down as I'm sure well, many of our listeners can. Yeah. And, and, and also just one, one point to that. There is nothing in our lives that we don't attract ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. So there, yeah. always figure out why did I, why did I ask for this person or this situation? And then that's how you, you find your answer. So it's intuition. And then, and then realizing that it's nobody else's fault, but yours no matter what it is. And then you figure out how are you going to solve that problem? Not wait on somebody else to do it for you. Exactly. Amen to all of that. And a lot of what you've said today too, my dear. So can you tell our audience, you know, where they can learn more about you, where they can find you because you're just, you're a beautiful soul. And I think they need to. Oh, thank you. Well, there's lots of ways that they can find us. A lot of people recognize uh, the name from the airlines. 
So United and American Airlines has had my photo and my mom's photo in it for probably 20 years. So um, we're the, we're the, we're the mother-daughter team in the airlines. Um, sometimes it's just a photo of me. Obviously you can Google Kelleher. It's a little bit hard to, uh, to, to spell, but it's K-E-L-L-E-H-E-R. So Kelleher International. And, um, and then you know, get our press page. And, uh, and then of course, fill out a form. Now, one thing that I do wanna mention is that you don't have to join to be considered. We get lots of entries every single day. And so if you're interested in meeting one of our clients, please fill out a form, submit your photo. And if you don't join, if it's not something for you, or maybe you can't afford it, it's, it's a little bit pricey, then what we do is we, we keep you in our files for free and we look to see if you're a match for one of our actual uh, clients. Wonderful. So nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. I love it. I love it. And you have nothing to lose in love, period, folks. Not to be cheesy, but you don't. I think loving yourself, loving others, it's just, it's a win-win all around. So Amber, thank you so much for being with me here today. This has just been a, a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, didn't this episode just give you kind of like that warm and fuzzy feeling? It did for me. I mean, she makes up, a, she makes a really lot of great points, right? I mean, I look back to like my twenties and if I had just kind of had somebody doing the clerical checks beforehand on a lot of things, you know, but either way, I ended up with my husband. So that is fantastic. But she also makes a really good point around her business and the basis of it being love and how it did make that it through a lot of adversity because of that. But then also like she spoke about understanding that thing that you love, right? Like, are you the person who's hustle, grind, work in 60, 70 hours a week? That's wonderful if it's a short stage, but make sure that you're looking holistically at your life and that you're able to point and say, okay, this is the time that I allocate for this part of my life and this. And I'd like to think at one point she was saying how that checklist um, that people can have in sometimes things like love, family, or even love of self is left off of that list. So this is just a good reminder to keep it in the mix because it can go hand in hand with a successful business. And on next week's episode, I'm so fortunate and grateful to be welcoming the incredible Cynthia Kersey, or shall I say unstoppable Cynthia Kersey, because she is the founder and CEO of the Unstoppable Foundation. And we are talking all about the power of giving right in time for Giving Tuesday, folks. So you won't want to miss it because we're talking about how that can actually help your business. Go figure. So don't miss the episode. And if you love this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, download, follow, rate, and review. And you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later. 